a big pile of shit. Hello and welcome to Jurassic Park. No, that's the film we're talking about. Hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 128. This is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other meddling scientists as masterpieces. I am Nick, the sexy mathematician of the podcast, and I am joined as ever by Roger. It's a Unix system. I know this. <laughs> um, are we going to have Roger's um, computer corner in this one by any chance? Maybe. Maybe. We are discussing our fifth Spielberg film. Is it fifth? Yeah, it could well be. <laughs> we've done, we've done Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders, um, Schindler's, uh, Schindler's List. List. We may, I may have forgotten one, but it's at least our fifth. Um, Steven Spielberg film, and this is the f- the other film he did during 1993. He was editing Jurassic Park whilst he was filming Schindler's List, which uh, it, some may say is a bit of a tonal shift. I don't know if you have some thoughts on that, Roger, um, but we will talk about it. Yeah, I, I I don't know the full detail, but the impression I get is that he he went along saying, "I want to make Schindler's List," and the studio said, "Yeah, okay, but make us something that will make us make some money first. <laughs> yeah, well, good job, Stephen. Uh, I think you did. This is the this is the first film for me that I can really remember the hype train running down the road and hitting me full in the face. Um, and it's possibly the last film I allowed myself. Well, it's not true. The last film I allowed myself to get very excited about was The Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but this, uh, I was working on. Um, a dairy farm at the a dairy farm at the time, trying to um, get enough work experience to go to veterinary school. Oh, and I'll I get remember back to you on that point. <laughs> um, well, there is a heroic vet in this film, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that um, later. It does it gets criminally underused. He's he's in the book, book a bit more. <laughs> um, I think did I read the book because I was so excited about the film? I think I did. I think maybe I did. It had one of those, uh, now a major motion picture kind of films. Uh, this is Michael Crichton, obviously the writer. Um, I am aware, Roger, that you are a avid listener to Terrible Lizards, the podcast, mm-hmm. which, which is basically... Which everybody should be listening to, I should say. Oh, true, but another name for the podcast would be Everything That Jurassic Park Got Wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that's the thing we'll come back to, I think. Yes. Um but for those who don't know the story, this is a dinosaur film, oh, and it was a. Any? I mean, even I knew <laughs> this like story. So. Uh, it's a dinosaur film slash disaster movie, um, and it, it, there hadn't been a lot of dinosaur films. They were quite mm. unfashionable at this point. It was before the whole, well before the whole regrowth of um, kaiju, as my son is very excited about nowadays. But, but also, everybody was. Everybody had agreed that you can make a dinosaur film that looks rubbish, but you can make any monster film that looks rubbish. Yes. To, to, to have dinosaurs that are actually worth, worth watching, you're going to have to spend an awful lot of money on special effects. Yes. And turns uh, out they did. <laughs> it turns out if you do that, they don't look that bad. Yeah. Um, um I was surprised actually as an aside, uh, my memory was this is the CGI dinosaur film, um, when CGI actually worked. There's, there's actually a way less CGI in it than I, than I remember. Quite a lot of it is practical effects, just yeah, really I, good ones. I think they did a lot of it as a uh, post-production, you know, f- filling in the skin texture or something like that where the model hadn't been quite up to snuff. Uh, but a, a lot, 
and particularly whenever they're interacting with humans, uh, it, yes. it tends to be um, model armature work, that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, it's, there, it, are, there are there are some bigger CG as well. But... Yeah, they work slightly less well. They've they've aged all right though. Uh, yeah, I but mean, this it, it's a. I think it's something to do with my perception. I don't know if this is more general, but to me, I find that old practical effects. I can see where the seams are, as it were, but they basically work. They they don't throw me out of the immersion in a way that old CGI does. Possibly just because I know the internals of CGI far too well. <laughs> well, it's, it's tricky, that isn't it? It's hard to say that you know, for instance, stop motion animation looks in any way realistic. But it's a bit like vinyl, isn't it? It's kind of beloved in some ways because it looks. Yeah, a bit it, chunky, it, it may it? well simply be what I'm used to and what I grew up with. But if yeah. you, if you had said to me. I'm going to show you a 30 year old film with a lot of CGI in it and you're not going to be, you're not going to be picking nits in the CGI. I would have been dubious, but that's what happened. So yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, I, I'm not sure we need a huge plot summary, but, um, they, they done make dinosaurs again. They've been meddling in sites they didn't understand. They being Richard Attenborough, uh, as, I keep wanting to say Ian Malcolm, but that's uh, Jeff Goldblum's character. Dr. John Hammond. We, we, As John we find Hammond. Out in. I think it may be being rich. Uh, <laughs> and variably Scottish, um, mm. <laughs> depending on how his accent goes. Uh, but he turns out to be a genial old gentleman who has played God and created dinosaurs uh, and has uh, created a whole theme park based on it. Um, but because someone got killed... He has to have some experts round for a weekend just to show them the stuff and show them how much they're going to enjoy it. Um, and that includes two... Um, uh, this is a film... Uh, Ian Malcolm may as well have been called Mary Sue, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, I, I, my, my notes say The Walking Author's Message. Yeah, it, uh, uh, I, it's Jeff Goldblum, and I have to say... Uh, I, 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 I like Jeff Goldblum. I, I don't yeah. react badly against him. He's a bit of a Nicolas Cage to me in that when I see him, he's going to enliven the movie and he certainly makes this character, he's just got a quirky delivery style, which just, um, uh, really does work. Um, yeah, and then we have seen him in Ribbon of Memes before. Uh, he has a tiny part in the right stuff as one of the recruiters. <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. I remember him cropping out randomly. Um, I think Lance Heinrichsen did as well, possibly. Um, I may be misremembering that, but he's cropped up a few times. Um, we have, um, the, uh, the lovely, um, Sam Neill, uh, as, uh, uh seen in, in the mouth of madness. Yes. He's, this is his kind of action movie, um, action movie moment. Um, and he's, uh, very likable as it, as Dr. Alan Grant. Action paleontologist. Never see an action pathologist, do you, nowadays? But, um, well, but the, 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 the uh, camera gets all clogged up with the gore, but yeah. <laughs> True. Um, Laura Dern has another, well, she's an action, uh, there haven't been many action paleobotanists. For a paleobotanist, she knows a ton about veterinary medicine, I will say. But, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, and, um, no, known, I think, at this point, mostly for Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, that kind of thing, but. Mm. A, a, a good solid all-round actor i think it's fair to say i think i mean all the performances here are pretty so i mean what happens um is that it it, it goes wrong <laughs> i remember there's a there's a kind of a simpsons episode that takes it off where they're in um where are they going to 
uh, Tomorrow World or something like that. And the, the pilot on the way over is saying, Welcome to Tomorrow World, the theme park where nothing can possibly go wrong. Uh, I mean, possibly go wrong. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. <laughs> that's kind of the, the, the tone of the film is that it just, um, little things go wrong and to the point where all the dinosaurs escape and start eating people. And it, it becomes a disaster movie. Hmm. Uh, surprise! I, I tried showing this to the kids a few years ago. I'd forgotten. It's it's quite scary actually in a lot of places. Yeah, it, it suddenly has its moments. I mean, I'm I'm going to argue with a lot of things in this film, but there are bits that work very well. And Spielberg, um, late later said he, he was. I think he was editing this and then directing Schindler, more or less back to back. I believe so. And he, 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 he described this as, uh, a, a bipolar experience. Well, fair enough, the films have very different moods. And uh, he said, uh, he used every ounce of intuition on Schindler's list and every ounce of craft in Jurassic Park. Oh, that's interesting. This, the re, the basic reason why I didn't love this film is that it felt Spoiler. to me like a, like a film that has had a lot of craft used on it. <laughs> yes, yeah, fair I, I can feel now, now. I now I am being set up to feel this. Well, John Williams always helpful with that sort of thing. John Williams very heavy handed on this. Yeah, I, mean, I actually like the score. It, it doesn't obtrude itself the way, the way it does in Jaws. He's, he's got more than one motif. And so on. This he's, is he's also the first. Job. This is the first film I can remember. Again, I was so excited by all the hype. I bought the soundtrack and uh, knew all the soundtrack uh, before. So for me, I, genuinely, I think it is one of his best soundtracks. I, I agree. I mm. think it is really good. But yeah, it is a bit uh, heavy-handed uh, in place. This sort of era, I was buying the Aliens soundtrack, which has a lot of bong screech, bong screech, bong screech on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, uh, it's yes. not a bad soundtrack, but it's not, it's not casual listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one works quite well. I I can't really work to um uh songs. If I do have to shut out noise, I'll put music on and, and Jurassic Park's always a uh sorry, um instrumental on mm. and film scores usually work well for me because I'm uh, an ignoramus and not classically educated and therefore classical music doesn't work for me so well. Well, if if you are then it then it's distracting because you're you're listening to all the technical details. But anyway. Uh, um, fair enough. <clears throat> one thing that struck me about this, um you know, we, in the first scene with Alan Grant, action paleontologist, he he is he has a kid asking him a question, and it is, it is clearly established with 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 um, mm. e- extra black ink that he doesn't like kids. This guy doesn't like kids. Oh and, no! And There's I wrote down that's going to get cured. <laughs> and then the last scene with Alan Grant, he has two sleeping kids under his arms. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. It's very neat. Uh, and gi- given that apparently the only thing stopping Ellie from jumping into his bed is that she wants kids, uh, this is obviously you know, personal growth or something. <laughs> uh, and then, yes, we're introduced to walking uh, Mary Sue, Ian Malcolm, who is Jeff Goldblum. We love him. But every word that comes out of his mouth is directly correct, I think. <laughs> I mm-hmm. just It does get a little bit irritating it's i mean this was when chaos theory was sort of young and well it wasn't especially sexy but it tried to make it sexy here um yeah i mean there, I, there, there have been i can't remember the exact date but a few years earlier there, there were documentaries about the, this weird new branch of mathematics and i, I remember mm. having seen one or two of those and th- this was okay now we can introduce it to the public yeah we, i mean it boils down to 
uh, sod's law, really. Yeah. <laughs> if anything that can go wrong will. Um, and E.M. Malcolm's broadly pronouncing that. Even though, I mean, what happens here is an act of sabotage. And if he was correct in his exposition, no zoo would have ever existed throughout the history of humanity. Or uh, it, it's just he is too correct to all the time. And it does get irritating. In the book, he thankfully uh, dies quite early on. <laughs> early on. <laughs> well, there, but, um, there's, there's a particular thing here, and uh, I guess perhaps if if he do, if he's uh, not as much a part of the, in in the book, then perhaps it's not entirely Crichton's fault. But it's something that's become very obvious to me in recent years. Um, you know, the 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 stereotype of the guy who is smart and has no social skills. Fair enough, but has made a personality and a, a style out of having contempt for social skills. Yes. And gets away with it because he's usually white, usually a guy, has enough social capital and can do something valuable enough that people say, oh, well, you've just got to put up with him, he's like that, while he gets away with... Well, Ian Malcolm obviously doesn't get away with London because he's perfect. But too many people well, in the real world. Well, that's not true. He does. He does. Um, he is flirting pretty heavily with uh, <laughs> with Ellie. Um, yes, but, but he, I, he he asks a man's permission first. He does. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, the thing is, I, I've known too many people like that, and read about too many people like that who have quite deliberately used this to get to get away with. Oh well, you know, I I I wasn't I wasn't unwelcomely hugging you at the party. I just don't get social cues. And yeah, so on. And, and that's fair. Yeah, okay. I, I think this this is uh, what what's the term? Aged like milk, <laughs> and not not um, the good sort. Not the good sort. No, Ian Welker, uh, Jeff Goldblum aside, and he, he's Jeff, also Jeff sort Goldblum of the does a character. great job of making this character who, in terms of his lines, is quite unappealing, into a character who is at least interesting. Yes, and you know, reliably funny um partially because of his delivery but thankfully he's not sort of a main character for for much of the second half of the film mm. we have um uh samuel jackson before he's samuel mf jackson <laughs> one of his last roles before he becomes samuel mf jackson i, I mean I, I feel like the actor that spielberg knows what he's doing all the actors know what they do there's there's no duff performances here the child actors to me how did how did they come across to you okay they're, they're not actively annoying, or in a way you're Honestly, supposed find, to be a again, bit annoyed I find by their them. lines more annoying than their delivery of them. <laughs> right, yes. Um, uh, what, where I think Jurassic Park really works for me, and I, I agree, uh, if you know anything about the site, I've listened to a few Terrible Lizards episodes, um, I'm quite behind on it, but I, the problem is, like a lot of these things, if you know anything about any little bits that they talk about in the film as if it's hard science, as we took, you know, we talked about moon or, um, when we talked about, uh, which is supposed to be hard science fiction or gravity, we both know a little bit about the subject enough to realize a lot of it, although it's dressed up as, as hard science fiction is bullshit. Mm. And I think unfortunately that applies to a great deal of Jurassic Park too. If you know anything about any of it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's interesting. I, I found I got a kind of three-way split on this. I mean, one stuff that was believed at the time that turned out to be incorrect. Yes, like the scaly scaly hides, for example, and that's fair enough. They 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 tried to uh, make it as well. They claimed they tried to make it as authentic as they could. Um, well, they they took some dramatic license. Got that. Even then, they knew Velociraptors 
were not that Well, that, kind that's of the thing. thing. Then, the, then there's the stuff where they knew perfectly well that this wasn't the case, but changed it for the purposes of make, making the film more exciting, like yes. the venom-spitting uh, Dilophosaurus. Yes, um, which doesn't. Yeah, and then, then you know, there, there, there was no evidence that a Brachiosaurus ever stood on its hind legs. Uh, and so on. It does make a nice moment though, doesn't it? And similarly, you know, the velociraptors are, uh, yes, they knew they, they like chicken sized and, uh, were much more bird-like. Um, Murder birds, yes. <laughs> they do, they do make a good antagonist, you know, hmm. yeah. I, I do think they're well built up. Um, and then the T-Rex is this force of nature. I, I, so I think for me, the things that really work in Jurassic Park are the set pieces, and I, some of them are just uh, absolute masterpieces of set pieces, and particularly the 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 first T Rex attack in the in the rain when they're in the the cars. Hmm. It's so well built up from, and I know it's become a cliche now, but you know what the kid watching the 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 uh, vibration in the water. To, you know, when the T-Rex sticks its head into the car and all they've got between them is the, the, you know, the plastic sheeting and they're, they're underneath it. Mm. And the, the physicality of it is incredible. I feel like where they're on the edge of this cliff and the environment is so important that it's, it's mashing the car around and then the car's above them and they fall. It really, really worked for me. Um, and, and other set pieces that, uh, work similarly well. Um, not all of them do, but um, uh, I like the tension when they're on the electric, uh, when they're climbing over the electric fence. I think the the Velociraptor scene where they're fleeing into the kitchen. Mm. Um, I mean, <laughs> there is a laugh out loud moment for me where <laughs> I, I've forgotten who says it, but he's like, well, unless they've figured out how to open doors. <laughs> and then you see the Velociraptor um, just opening the door. I, to me, that is laugh out loud ridiculous uh, moment. But it, it's... The, he builds up the tension for me so well, but particularly that first set piece, uh, I think it's just incredible after the build up we've had. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, that, that Brachiosaurus browsing the treetops moment is, is, again, th- this is Spielberg using his craft. I, I, yeah. The fact that I react badly against it doesn't mean that it's well done, <laughs> not well done. Um, yeah, he, just even most immediately, we we don't just see okay, you know, we come over the hill, we see them. They come over the hill, and we see the reaction shot first. Yes, and so we're primed to be in awe of the thing that we see next. He he is a. I remember when we were talking about Close Encounters. I begrudgingly, you know, we had we didn't desperately like the film all that much, but he still got me right in the Wonderland just at the moment he wanted to because he's just. Uh, he's just, he genuinely is a master of that sort of thing. Just like in Jaws, when the face floats out of the boat submerged and it's Ben mm-hmm. Gardner's boat and the face comes out at just the right moment that even now, and it's the film probably I know better than any other, it still gets me <laughs> every time. And I, he is, uh, I, I take your point. It is craft and it's not, He's I mean, not approaching some, it. Some of it the... works very well for me, and some of it just rubs me raw and says, "You are meant to be feeling this way," which is obviously I don't have the the, the bad reaction I have to that is not a reaction everybody has, or there would be no advertisers in the world, and it would be a much better place. But <laughs> uh, I think um, there is an element of lowest common denominator, like, uh, "Oh yes, I hate kids." Um, 
oh no, here's some kids. I'm going to end up liking the kids. Yeah, yeah, and, and mm. it's full of that sort of thing. Um, oh look, a fat guy. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> um, yeah, again, very well acted as a, as Dennis Nedry and and and, uh, and well done. I I think you mentioned sort of off air. There's a, there's this whole sort of. I remember being a little confused. It feels like it's a setup that he's got this shaving foam full of embryos and it feels like that's setting it up for the sequel, but nothing ever really comes mm. of it and it just gets buried. Um, that That's the one that's slightly wrong-footed me because that really felt like, oh, here's Chekhov's um, embryo aerosol can. Well, the, <laughs> the, the thing that really surprised me was not, not quite so much that, though I agree it was it was a little surprising, but at the end of the film there is no post-credits sting. Which, yes. I, which I guess is a spoiler, but I, I really had expected, <laughs> even Flash Gordon managed to post-credit Sting. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of refreshing that there wasn't. I, I do think Jurassic Park, uh, stands well on its own. Uh, another... The, the, the other thing I was expecting, you know, that at the end, they're, they're getting away in the, in the helicopter, they're flying across the ocean, they're, they're, there's stuff down there flying, uh, is it birds or fish or something? There is some sort of animal life. Some, uh, I think there's some Tyrannid on or some pterodactyl or something. Well, no, like. that's, that's the thing. I think it's meant to be conventional animal life, and I was expecting, you know, some oh, dinosaur yes, to reach yes. up and snap it out of the out of the air, but no, I didn't get <laughs> but that it, either. Which has reminded me of another set piece that works incredibly well, which is the T-Rex versus the Velociraptors at the end. It is so cheesy that it knocks its own, you know, the skeleton <laughs> out of the way, and then the, the when dinosaurs rule the earth flops in front of it. That was one that was my, oh, you got me, you bastard. Cause I, <laughs> I just, if you describe that to me, I'll be like, fuck off. But it just, it just does it so well that it really works for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's the thing. Any, any individual scene is likely to work quite well, uh, at least as long as it's dinosaurs. And yes. th- the acting is sort of, it's variable. Some of it's good, some of it's not so great. But the, the script just kept thudding in. And, alright, I'm gonna have a bit of an Ian Malcolm rant here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, there is this line which is clearly meant to be the capstone of his argument. You read what others had done and you took the next step. Yes, it's called science. You don't actually have to invent the proton from scratch every time you're gonna do anything. You're right, that's his thing, like, you don't take any responsibility for it. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> what, do we have to build a wheel every time we start this stuff? Yeah, that's... that's also, um, you, it, it's wrong to bring back dinosaurs because nature selected them for extinction. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be backing away gently at this point and looking looking for your religious fanatic badge around your neck. That's it, there's an element of, like... Uh, yeah, almost religion about now. I mean, the whole point, Malcolm, surely, if he's who he purports to be, it was all about randomness and, pre- he would be aware, you know, there's no, the selection is, it's random and, and sometimes you just have bad luck. Sometimes a fucking huge asteroid hits the planet and most of you die. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see the inherent danger in bringing those things back. But he's did, like, oh, did anybody sign the asteroid? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Ian Malcolm, as, uh, uh, Thankfully, it's Jeff Goldblum, but uh, yeah. he is an yeah. incredibly irritating character. <laughs> if it wasn't Jeff Goldblum, I think. Um, I quite. How did you feel about Sam Neill, action paleontologist? Uh, yeah, um, he, he's the the way he's portrayed is is clearly the reluctant hero. Yeah, and 
I mean, similarly to some extent to the Mouth of Madness, he, he, he's not interested in find, finding out all the weird stuff. He's interested in surviving there. But. Yes. I don't know. I just didn't, didn't quite feel engaged. You know, there, there, mm. I was always having that sense of there, there is somebody pulling his strings. Um, I, I, in this yes. Case, the author, I, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously that is always true in any film with a script. Uh, but. He never came over, came over as quite natural enough to make me forget that. You know, I, I feel with a, yeah. with a good, I mean, as, as in, in the mouth of madness, um, or for that matter in moon, obviously, you know, um, different actors, yes. but in both and of those off. films, I'm, I'm getting the sense that this guy is having to say some weird stuff, but they are, they, he's coming plausibly from a guy in that body rather than, oh no, now I have to be like this and I have to be like that. I now, think now it's time for my I, hero moment. I think Sam Neill is great. I love him as an actor. He's very good mm. in uh, The Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, but he doesn't quite fit either camp here. He's neither the Indiana Jones, you know, <laughs> level of, he's not, uh, who is as much of an archaeologist as Alan Grant here is as a paleontologist, but he doesn't fit that, he doesn't quite hit that action hero mold, but he doesn't, or also he doesn't quite convince as an academic so he sort of ends up in this middle ground mm. of just i don't know if he's supposed to be the everyman kind of character i think so yeah i mean i, I could see it i could see it working if he were the the famous but blowhard guy who who is having to come to terms with that that could work mm. but I'm, I'm not really sure who he is before he becomes the reluctant action hero I think you're right. I, th- I think his edges are a bit too softened. And again, because of the craft, he's trying to appeal, I don't know, to all, like all the dads in the audience in a way. Um, and just be the, uh, the grunt, the slightly grumpy guy, but not too grumpy. We don't want to go too far because he's got to be an everyman who ends up being slightly less grumpy by the end of it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's, well, I, I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with the performance, but he doesn't really. Mm grab you i do i do like richard attenborough i mean obviously he's a, a great actor as well i do yeah, quite th- like this was to... his first film role in 14 years i mean he, he'd basically been doing other stuff uh he came out of retirement for it yeah i, I think he convinces as uh, for me at least i do feel sorry for him i uh i i, I think it works well i mean i i, I, like I, I think he he genuinely conveys the i'm not just in this to make money i'm in this because it's wonderful and that is what that is the driving force for me yeah, I think that's it. He plays it, and I, I'm pretty sure that the the character in the book is a, a bit harsher than that. But I think he works. Again, he's a little cuddly, <laughs> and and it's all it is all a bit sanitized. Um, but it, it it works for me. Um, Ellie, uh, I uh, Ellie feels she slightly is nurturing. TM. Yeah, yeah, and also she's the backup Mary Sue in a mm. way. Anything she's like, she looks at. I don't know, the way she works out that this Stegosaurus, a creature she's never encountered before, is eating the wrong kind of plant. Just, I, uh, I don't know, that's not how diagnosis works, particularly not <laughs> with a, with, when you're a botanist. Anyway, perhaps that was professional irritation, because I, the, the I, vet I, I is ca- in the... Yeah, I had kind of expected that to go somewhere, as well. It doesn't, it, no, it doesn't really, does it? Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, there's lots of this where you just look into the plot a little bit and you're like, well, it doesn't really, and I don't, and why would you, um, and why is this, 
Um, I do. Bob Peck's very good in it. You don't see Bob Peck very often. Um, mm. Get to see a lot of his knees, which is lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the iconic line, "Clever girl." I mean, he really should have seen it coming. I have to say, <laughs> but it's a nice, it's a nice moment. It's a nice setup. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I, I how how I... about the computer system? Um, <laughs> did well, you want to talk about that? Not really. It's it's. I mean, it has to. For the purposes of the film, it has to be at least vaguely comprehensible that something is happening and takes some time. Uh, some some various people have tried graphical file engines that are based on three D three D models like that, and they mm. never get very far because they just take ages. Yeah, and by the time you've learned it, you'd be much quicker just learning code. Yeah, and um, I mean, the, yes, there were um, graphical environments. I think they are SGI workstations. Uh, I can't remember now. Um, there, there were things of that sort available, but they're very much like what, yeah, your modern Windows file manager or whatever they call it now. You know, right. You, yeah. You, you double click on the folder. You double click on the file. That kind of thing. I mean, even I, I've never used, you know, because it doesn't exist. But the system that she's using, the speed that it's moving is already irritating to me. Like she knows where she has to go, and it's moving very slowly towards it. And this is a very crucial bit, and it's not. There's no reason for it. <laughs> it's just it's a virtual space. It's just the graphics that are slowing it down. Yeah. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, uh, all right. I, w- I will admit that the, the thing that really threw me was a, was a throwaway line of why didn't I build in Orlando? Because I just, I just couldn't help completing the 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 because Florida. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's probably a good reason for that. Um, um, but I mean, what we're trying to get here is, however hard you try, something will go wrong. I think I think that is Crichton's message. Um, There's a very heavy-handed authorial. I mean, the other Michael Crichton film that we've watched was um, the Thirteenth Warrior, hmm. um, which also felt quite heavy-handed author, particularly as he literally came in and, and reshot the ending. Um, I mean, the, the the feeling I got was what's what's actually portrayed is more more like um, tech bro capitalist nonsense will always take shortcuts, which, which <laughs> yes. is not the same thing as this entire field of endeavour is without value. Yes, I agree with you, um, and I also agree with the <laughs> I also agree with the sentiment. I mean, but you yes, could argue it, the it, same thing about nuclear power. Um, you know, a, a nuclear power plant can be built to be safe, but if you put the building of it in the hands of people who are trying to make profit it won't be <laughs> but it seems to be trying to make a much broader point about nature and science mm. that i think we both kind of disagree with i i think Crichton has seen scientism as in the blind worship of science scientists etc and he's reacting yeah. against that and i i think that reaction has some value but i, th- I yes. for, for my taste he goes an awfully long way into oh well let, let's just follow what what the what the guy in the robe tells us to do then yes and it feels like he has to sort of force the plot to make it and it, there's more of this in the book but he has to force the plot to make that happen to fit his hypothesis so you know it, it's irritating to have a polemic where the person who's giving you the polemic is in control of the plot and the environment so they can make it look like this is yeah. this is how things happen. But that it doesn't have to go that way. Um yeah, all, yes. all right, so so we have um adorable Muppet number two saying, He left us, Sam Neil, but that's not what I'm gonna do. Promptly leaves her. 
<laughs> yes, that's uh, that was that was harsh. I mean, he does his um, best to deliver the line, and he do- he delivers the line well, but the action doesn't match up to it. <laughs> yes, he promptly uh, buggers off. Uh, the effects, um, which we haven't, we we've kind of the effects are great. Uh, touched upon. It does look great. I mean, it really does look. Um, a million dollars. I mean, it looks like three hundred million dollars. It's probably more more <laughs> accurate. Uh, it was probably about a hundred million back then, I think. Uh, but it's it it is a gorgeous film and, mm, and very absolutely. smoothly moving. Uh, I I agree with you. I I think I fundamentally agree with you. There is a lot of craft and not a lot of passion because I feel like he was pouring his passion into Schindler's List. Well, I don't mm. know why, but it does feel a little empty this film or it feels a bit like by the numbers plot points um also th- this is one of those cases of the options were bought before the before Crichton had actually finished writing the book which <laughs> i tend to feel doesn't lead to a good story at the root of it no yeah. i i don't I, think I, either I, is I, a huge... I could um you know smear bodily fluids over the last 50 pages and i would still have hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> <laughs> exactly well this is what's happened to george R. R. martin i guess with them um, a game of thrones or the song of ice and fire i uh i do i don't utterly um hate michael Crichton's work um i do like the andromeda strain uh mm. but it, uh, the problem is once you know a little bit and you don't trust that bit you think about all the bits you don't know about and you think, well, that's probably bullshit. As yeah, well. a, a, a film like this really does have to carry you along with going along with its implausibilities. Yeah. And I think you just have to, I, I, when I first watched it, I didn't know, watched it. I didn't know enough and it seemed plausible. It is plausible and you don't realize all the problems with it. So it did carry me along here. It held me up a bit. Sure. I would much more aware of Ian Malcolm <coughs> yeah. and Ellie to some extent. Uh, for I would, me, I would just I'll like, like to, in, yes. in the context of that dairy farm job, the the line "they're just animals, they're herbivores" with a strong implication that this means they're harmless. <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, people are regularly trampled to death by cows, um, mm. and they do not have the tonnage of these creatures. <laughs> there, there was one yeah. thing that struck me. I, this may have been the, the print that I watched because I think there are a lot of minor edit versions out there. Um, but we, we've got a point where. Uh, the 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 bad guy has got himself dinosaured, or at least as far as they know, he's he's vanished. They uh, they they can't get through his lockout on on the um, park security systems. Yes, and so they have to reboot everything. So they're, they're very clearly showing we're going to turn off these three small breakers, and then we're mm. going to turn off the big one. Okay, fine. And then they turn off. Then they turn on the big one, and they're surprised that nothing immediately happens. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, in your version, were, did they turn on the other three breakers as well? Um, and uh, they, they, it no, be, no, that's how it was. They, they just went to such trouble to show, you know, we are turning these things off, then we are turning that thing off. Why Why do you put that in if you're not going to... If you're not going to use that again, yes, yeah. uh, that's a fair point. I agree. Yeah, I'm not quite sure of the point of that, because the rest of it is so well-crafted. I, I mean, ultimately, for me, spoilers, I, I think... It is um, a master director doing a masterful job of crafting a beautiful film. There are uh, lots of things that I disagree with, and I do think it's flawed. But I think for the set pieces alone, and if only for the dinosaur attack, (laughs) I think that makes it... For the T-Rex attack, when they're in the cars, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that is just... 
Praise that is what cinema... Stan Winston. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, we have that Stan is an Winston. Eight-ton in Stan Winston special. That that T Rex. There's so much in that part that's iconic. You know the way the the way when the T Rex puts its head down to the car, the way its pupil um, constricts because they're shining the torch in its eye. Mm-hmm. Every it is, it is incredible. That to me is. That's the magic of cinema in some, that cinema can do that nothing else can do. Yes, I have an imagination. I can read a, I can read a book and I can think, oh, it's exciting. And I, you know, you can fill in the picture in your head, but cinema can just do that visual spectacle and really convince you there is a T-Rex attacking these people and they are in danger. You can smell um, its breath or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, for that alone, the action sequences and, you know, uh, uh, I, that makes it a masterpiece for me. I do understand your m- mileage might vary, and I, I do think it's a flawed masterpiece, but I, I think it is a masterpiece. Uh, one of the things I mean, we, we've talked before about um, when, when people rave over a film, and I, I also met the hype at the time. I didn't, I didn't as it turned mm. out, see the film. Uh, this was about when I, I didn't really have a lot of time for watching films anyway. Um, but remembering how... Um, enthusiastic people were about it, and I, and I think, in retrospect, I think that was about the spectacle. As you're saying, the, the effects are yeah. gorgeous. The, the the whole visual presentation is superbly done. The, the, I, I may not like what Spielberg does with his skill, but I'm not going to deny that he has the skill. Right, right. Um, I just wish it weren't quite so down cutesy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, it's but a also, funny combination. Of, after of a reaction like that, I, I suspect I would have been disappointed anyway. Um, Ah uh, yes, I, I doubt you would have felt different if you'd seen it at the time. Uh, I, um, I w- will note actually about that, about the fence. Um, it's very explicitly a, a DC fence, which makes some sense because if, if, yes. you, if you hit a DC fence with a large charge, you ba- you basically get a single muscle spasm, which is generally going to throw you away from it. Yes. Uh, whereas the AC is the one that clamps you on. So what what, what they're actually at risk of is probably less um, being fried by the fence and more. Having a thirty-foot fall, the the fall, yeah. This has been Rogers Electrocution Corner. I will. That that was I feel a thing. Like, I mean, I feel like it, I'm watching Thomas Edison electrocute yeah. an elephant. I mean, the, the, that that worked for you, and I, I I'm not going to deny that. But for me, that did feel. Oh, look, we we need we need some peril. We haven't got any dinosaurs. Let's have a completely synthetic bit of peril as they climb over. Right, the fence yeah. To I beat beat the countdown of the thing coming back on. Acknowledged, yeah, I, I think that's fair. It just surprised me that it, that you, I thought he was going to get off in time. Uh, yeah. But fair enough, yes, it is a well-crafted bit of, and possibly too-crafted bit of tension. Yeah, that, that may just be it. And th- there is one thing I would, I would like, we, we haven't had Roger's Aviation Corner for a while. Uh, at the beginning, we've got, we've got the helicopter taking them to the island. And yes. it's, then it's descending onto the landing pad. This this induces. I mean, they obviously did it with a real helicopter, and, and it's not an impossible thing. But it's a thing helicopter pilots are very reluctant to do a, a vertical descent like that because right. you, you can get into a condition known as a vortex ring state, where basically that sounds very painful. The 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 blades of the helicopter are pushing the air down, most mostly at the tips. That's where most of the work is happening, hmm. and you you get a sort of circulating donut of the air is coming down through the blades and then going out and coming up and going in and coming down through the blades again. And it basically, the, the, the way you discover this is your helicopter plummets like a stone. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so if, how do you if prevent you are tr- that? 
if if you're flying forwards, then you're getting fresh air coming in at the front of the rotor disc. Yes, but, so but, you're not but in isn't in the circulation. So okay. what what you generally have, if you ask a helicopter pilot, they will say um, a, a static descent, even a low speed descent, is a risky thing, and you do it carefully. Obviously, you know their stunt pilot was competent; he did it. I just can't see that you you wouldn't build the helipad right at the bottom of the thing you have to descend into because your aviators are because say, everyone no, would have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But yeah, shrug. <laughs> but it looks great. good. It looks good, Roger. It, That's the yeah. Point. Uh, and to be fair, you know, there are all these problems, and I was being irked by them. And, and contrary to, to uh, reputation, I do not actually enjoy being irked by films. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't ruin the film for me. Good. Okay. And on, on, well, on that basis alone, I'm, I'm going to surprise you slightly and say yes, I will agree, masterpiece, even if I don't love it. Goodness me. Well, yeah, I suppose we don't have to love these films, but. Um... Uh, it did spawn many, many worse sequels, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, and very I, few I, of which I've watched. I can see the argument, but I, I don't agree with it when they said, no, 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 we're going to keep them scaly dinosaurs even though we know better now because we want to be consistent with the earlier films. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fair enough. Wouldn't yes. they look gorgeous with feathers? They would. They look incredible. Well, now's the time right for a, a feathery dinosaur film. Yeah, but, I mean, all, all praise to Stan Winston, who, uh, thing I, thing I think I've ranted on, about on, on this before, and I've, I've, certain, I've certainly done it in general, he gets the mass right. Mm. E- except for that one bit where, where the T-Rex is chasing the Jeep at 60 miles an hour, which is just silly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apart enough. from, apart from that, the movement's all, I, I am convinced that this is a multi-ton thing. Because it is a multi-ton thing. <laughs> there is a physicality to it that, I don't know, I, I suppose we only notice the CGI that we notice, but you know, this is, I mentioned the Phantom Menace, which seemed to take this and, and Lucas was like, brilliant, let's turn that up to 11. And I just, it would just drench the whole, every frame is absolutely full of CGI and it's just, uh, pretty much killed most people's interest in CGI quite early on. It's taken mm. a while to come back. Oh, maybe you should do The Lost Starfighter sometime, which I think, I think was the first oh. CGI in a mainstream film. Oh. I'm, somebody will doubtless correct me on that, but it was certainly. Oh, I'm not sure it's a masterpiece, ones. but I, I, I do love that film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well there we are. I so, believe yeah, re- we are... reluctantly, I, I am convinced. Holy smokes! <laughs> well, uh, now I guess it's time to turn the light off um, because we have reached the end of the podcast. Nothing bad ever happens in the dark. <laughs> Thank you.